When you open the door for somebody else. Welcome in, everybody, to the Vaccine Conversation with Melissa and Dr. Bob. And, and a, a special, special guest. guest. Yes. Yay. I love when we do interviews. I know you do. Yeah. And I've been working on this one for a while. He can attest to that. I've been t- texting him every now and then. Hey, what about this time? Yeah, I what think you told me time? like three months ago. Yeah. Hey, guess who I got to be on the podcast? And today is the day. It's yes. official. And if you guys don't recognize that laugh, which you probably don't unless you are super cool. Um, but if you don't, we are talking today with Nico LaHood. And welcome to the show, Nico. We're going to give a little bite. Thank but, you. But welcome. We're so happy. Thank to you. Have I'm you. honored. I'm excited about the show. I love what you guys are doing. And fire away. I'm yeah. ready to get into this. I have to laugh. I didn't tell Dr. Bob, but he's like, <laughs> when I was like, oh, can you do this day? And he's like, okay, with Dr. Bob, right? I was like, yeah, I want it too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of on the podcast too. <laughs> I love it. I love it. He's like, "What are you going to be getting him water?" Or? <laughs> or he, I love it. Oh, he thought you were my secretary. Is that right? No, no. I didn't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> he thought I was just booking the uh, the podcast I, for you. Oh, that's. I, I thought you were. I thought you were running the ship, and I didn't know. I'm going to show no. you the, the podcast uh, photo, Nico, because like I'm on, like my face is on it. Okay, like you're it. You are. My it. face is on it. So, Nico, well, Nico, I was extremely wise enough to find somebody to podcast with who is way better than I am at pretty much everything there is to be. Amen. So, yeah. Amen, brother. Yeah, well, for those of you who don't know who Nicholas is, well, he goes by Nico. Great. He actually is the former district attorney for Bexar County in Texas. And he's actually a native of San Antonio, Texas, and he worked for 16 years in the, as a criminal defense attorney and a prosecutor in the justice system there. And then he was elected as a district attorney, and he actually managed and led a legal team of over 500 members, which was pretty impressive. Let's see, you went to St. Mary's University and you got your degree in finance and then you moved on and got your Juris Doctorate from St. Mary's School of Law, All right, St. Mary's. Correct. You basically worked, again, as a criminal defense lawyer's, lawyer for many years, you know, representing people who uh, you know really needed a good defense lawyer. And then you spent some time as a district attorney, which you're going to want to talk to you about, of course. Sure. Um, you actually served as a magistrate judge for Bexar County. And you held a position as a professor at St. Mary's School of Law, which is uh, pretty cool. And you're also a special prosecutor for sub- several of the counties uh, neighboring Bexar County. So, wow, you have a, a lot of incredible experience in the legal system and, and very, you know, many different aspects of the legal system. And then you also, you're part of a various police academies, including the SAPD, San Antonio Police Department Academy, and the Alamo Area Council of Governments. Right. And, and then you basically, you met your wife, you guys have four children, and then you really uh, have, have a passion for giving back to your community, and you, are, uh, you do a lot of you know, guest speaking at universities, um, colleges, uh, middle, middle schools, high schools, trying to educate uh, young adults about uh, the justice system and its laws. And, and then you're a very uh, religious man, a man of faith. You are very active in your church. You lead a Bible study. And I'm a, I'm a you know, fellow Christian man myself, Nico. So it's great to Excellent. see that, that you are really dedicated to your family, your church your friends and and some of your hobbies is kind of interesting you are into fitness martial arts hunting mm-hmm. and shooting as yeah. someone who's in uh 
A Texan. The, that's a Texan. Yeah, it's thing a Texan. Right <laughs> <laughs> so, Nico, welcome. I am very honored to be on the show, Doctor Bob. What kind of what, what, what's your doctorate in? What, 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 I'm, a, what? I'm a pediatrician. Oh, nice. Good yeah. for you, man. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So you got fun. you got some church bells, huh? I like that. I love that you didn't know that <laughs> because Dr. Bob thinks he's a celebrity. So it's really nice. Oh, I'm sure he is. I'm just in it. <laughs> no, it's so nice when somebody is like, and who are you? Dr. Bob, what's your last name? Uh, no. That's great. I love M- it. Melissa loves it when, when we find someone who, who doesn't think I'm a celebrity. <laughs> that was like one of the I'm first sure. things I said to him when I first met him. Like, just so you know, I'm not impressed with you like everybody else. <laughs> I love it. You think she's kidding, but she's I, totally I, serious. I actually did say that, but I was like, I mean, and I meant that in a respectful way. Of no, right, totally. Peer yeah. to peer, I respect you for what you bring to the table, but I am not sitting here on the other side of this like, oh, you're Dr. Bob Sears. Like, I, I don't really do that with anybody. Yeah. Um, and I'm no, like, oh my gosh, no. I have to get this person to like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was her first psychology. That was, I got to start using that more. <laughs> I like it. Wow. So you're pediatric. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So you're out there, you're out there putting your neck out there on that deal. Oh, yeah, big time. Definitely on this issue, for sure. And I'll say the reason that I thought of Nico is that um, I had originally seen the interview with uh, from Vaxxed One, from the first, mm-hmm. the first movie. And what I like so much about you and kind of what you brought to the table, and I told you this the first time I called you and kind of gave you the, the skinny on what this podcast was and wanting to have you on here, is that I really liked the angle you were able to bring to it because of your experience, this legal angle and this angle as an attorney and as a... Um, looking at the justice system and it's so unique because typically what we have in this movement is you have the medical professionals, you have sometimes the lawyers who are arguing for the ideological issues with this, but I really like your, you know, on the ground experience with people in and out and understanding why and and I'll talk about this in a little bit, why all of the stories that we're hearing are leading up to building a case for why there is legitimate concern that everybody should be um, accepting and, and be questioning at least. And then on top of that, you're also a father who's had to deal with vaccine injury directly. And I'm a parent, same for, for me. Um, and that gives you a really unique approach on this issue because it's personal for you, but it's also professional because you're looking at it from that point of view. So that bio that Dr. Bob just read is like, it's so impressive and it, and it brings something new to the table, totally different from anybody we've interviewed mm-hmm. yeah. um, on this show before. And I was always really interested in that. And, and I, I think you're very articulate, very well-spoken. Every time I've heard you speak, you know, you have passion, you have great content, things to say, you're bringing good points to the table that make sense. It's very logical. And so I thought our listeners would love to hear from you just like we would. So just to give everybody the heads up of why I really wanted you on here, you do offer something very special to this conversation. That's very unique, I think. And, um, well, thank you very much. Well, I'm honored. I'm very humbled by all everything you said. Look, I, I look at evidence for a living guys. I, I make life, I've made life and death decisions when I was as a former district attorney based off evidence, things have to make sense to me. My faith, my walk with Christ is a logical 
analysis. I mean, I'm not a Christian because it's easy. I'm not a Christian because I went to some tent revival or I have a fish on the back of my car. Nothing wrong with having a fish on the back of your car or because somebody sang Kumbaya to me when I was younger. I mean, I went through some, I went through the school of hard knocks as I tell people. I, I came to Christ in a very painful way. I was arrested for selling drugs when I was a young, stupid idiot. I turned my life around. I, I gave my life to the Lord. I believe in redemption, not just in my faith, but in the justice system. Two years later, my brother was murdered in my driveway. I loaded his body on the gurney. Hmm. I helped wash his blood off my driveway. I heard my mom cry the way only a mom can cry. And so, and so my, my, my walk and my, my drive to, to want to know answers to this thing called life was very logical. Things, things have to be logically consistent and it can't violate the, the rule of non-contradiction. That's kind of my, my, my overlying principles when I analyze anything, whether it's a Christian worldview versus any other worldview, whether it's vaccines, whether it's the law, whether it's evidence, making a life and death decision, trying a case before a jury. And so I look at evidence, and, and when you look at the evidence, aside from being a daddy of a vaccine-injured child, aside from I, – I, I keep my emotions. I've trained to keep my emotions out of things. I'm a passionate guy. There's no doubt about it. But I'm not an emotional guy. There's a difference. I agree. Passion and emotion. I, I'm not. I'm not big on emotions. I'm huge on passion. I agree. And so, and so, so my my, my walk in this journey in this world in the religion of vaccines is 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 a very logical one. It's a very passionate one, but not emotional. And my analysis is one as a prosecutor, defense attorney that is analyzing the evidence and things just don't add up when you when you look at things uh, the evidence or lack thereof objectively so we're going to get into kind of the personal story a little bit of the personal story with your son a little bit later um sure but let me start by asking you just like what you're just going off of what you're just saying i so i personally love how you make this comparison of the vaccine debate and the trial process and you specifically talk about this idea of strong circumstantial evidence and mm -hmm. you talk about in a murder case you can hear gunshots somebody could be running out of a house you didn't see that person sh uh, get shot directly. But if a person is murdered, you've heard the shots, the pr uh, somebody's running out, an assailant's running out, you can, with circumstantial evidence, paint the picture and even convict somebody in a court of law that that murder happened and that person was responsible for that murder. And again, it's based on circumstantial evidence. And what you have talked about, which I agree 100%, is that in this debate, there is a ton of circumstantial evidence as it relates to vaccine injury. And we have thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands of stories that somebody might call anecdotes. But again, when you have enough of those, it sort of becomes data at that point. And well, I mean, what's the argument that goes here back? Correlation is not causation, mm -hmm. right. well, which is fine. But, but correlation in my world means investigation. Exactly. So, yeah. so if there's a correlation between a murder and a suspect, you don't say, oh, correlation, not causation. Eh, forget about it. We'll it's probably somebody else. No, it's, hey, there's, that's why you're a suspect, because there's correlation. Right. So there's been a further investigation until we find out who committed the murder. We know mm -hmm. someone's dead. So who committed the murder? So, but in this debate, in, in the religion of vaccines, mm -hmm. correlation means ignore. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, it just so so they, yeah. so they admit oh, yeah. they admit there's correlation. I mean, talk about talk about incriminating evidence. We admit there's a correlation. We what they mean by correlation is that we understand it's suspicious. It's kind of eerie. I get it. That it seems like there might be a cause. It seems like there might be a connection, but it doesn't mean it's a cause. Okay, well then, what's the cause? I don't know, but it's not this. Well, how do you right. know right. if you don't have another reason Nobody's for it? Working to find out what it is. No, they don't care. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I look at motives for living. I wanted to share that doctors, we are actually literally trained 
uh, you know, straightforwardly to ignore vaccine injury because of the principle of correlation does not equal causation. So you're right. We're not even told to, to Look launch further. an investigation yeah. on this. It's, it's like a convenient way to, to get us to move on, to not recognize vaccine injury. And it's probably a convenient way for it to help pediatricians feel comfortable to continue to vaccinate. Because we tell ourselves, oh, all my professors told us I don't, need, don't even have to think about any causation here you know, with vaccines causing injury because because correlation automatically negates any possibility of causation is how we're actually taught about it. And that really pisses me off that, that we were misled that way. But, Doc, you guys are, are inundated with this crap from day one. I mean, all my doctor yeah. friends say we don't know. All we study is the vaccine schedule. We don't do any double-blind placebo studies. We don't look at it or lack thereof. We don't look at even nutrition. I mean, well, you guys take like one hour of nutrition. And I'm not busting chops on, on docs. I mean, I respect what you're doing. But, but when it comes to this issue, I mean, look what happened with opioids. I mean, opioids are the same issue. I mean, it's not like there was some you know, guy on the corner saying, Hey, you want to buy some opioids? And then started selling this stuff on the side. These are doctors writing prescriptions mm -hmm. and, 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 and doctors were duped by the big, by big pharma to say, Hey, look, it's not that addictive. And, and, and we have evidence. I mean, that's why all these, when I was DA in Bear County, it's Bear County, by the way, doctor, oh, not Bexar. So if you would have said that in Bear County, everybody had known you were an outsider. You just gave your cover. But, but when I was in, when I was a DA, when I was a DA in Bear County, we actually filed a lawsuit against big pharma for the opioid epidemic here in Bear County mm. and other, and other counties in Texas were following suit. And the reason why is because there's an epidemic. So you have a bunch of doctors that signed prescriptions. They, they wrote prescriptions and, and, and they were told by big pharma that this is not that addictive. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. They lied to doctors about opioids. They lied to doctors about vaccines. And it's not that hard. You talk about a correlation. There's a correlation, the ideology of profits over people, right. profits over principle. And, and, and here we have it. So it's the same idea. So we know that there's an opioid, an opioid epidemic, but there's not a vaccine epidemic. I mean, it, that, that is ridiculous. Well, I wonder, too, as it relates to doctors sort of being sold on this concept, let's say talking about opioids, that they're again, the safety studies aren't necessarily given. This stuff is like. Fa it's always fast tracked. It's always like here, give it, start, start writing prescriptions. And it's always waiting until they see a bunch of injuries or a bunch of problems before they go back and go, we should have looked at this a little bit more extensively. Mm -hmm. You've got doctors that have pharma reps coming into their offices, you know, weekly, if not daily that are saying, try this, try this, try this here. Mm -hmm. you know, that Nobody's actually doing the research on each of these before they start giving them away. And I think that's another problem because um, the same thing crosses over over and as it relates to vaccines is they're just straight trusting the AAP and the ACIP to have done that research for them. So they're essentially writing prescriptions for the vaccines. They're essentially giving them, giving them away without having done each, any of this research themselves personally, because they've literally trusted another organization mm -hmm. to do it for them. And that's where we come across these problems um that we see it's after the fact it's always after the fact oh maybe we should have done a little more maybe we should have looked a little deeper 
Absolutely. But just I agree that with metaphor, you. I, a metaphor that you had going about the, you said the correlation usually in a criminal situation or in a trial situation equals investigation. But in investigation. Vac- yeah, in the vaccine debate, correlation equals case closed. Right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, to me, there's, there's got to be an answer. I mean, when, as, as you know, Melissa, when you have a child that's injured and you know that they weren't born that way and you know that, okay, I look for causal connections. I mean, you know, you think about causal connections in a car accident or someone slips and falls and there's an injury and did it come from this or was it a pre-existing injury? We didn't drop our son. Right. We weren't in a car accident. He wasn't born that way. We have the pictures and the videos. So if, if you medical community or whomever can't tell me why my son is on the spectrum and we've had no, we have no history of autism or, or you know, in, in our family. Then, then what is the cause? Give me the medical cause. I don't know, but it's for sure not vaccines. Well, I'm going to call bullshit on that. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm going to call it straight out. That's bullshit. There's no way that, 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 that would never fly in the court of law. That would never fly for me. Right. I mean, I, I, you can't make an accusation like that or, or just, or just, or just ignore the fact like, ah, well, I don't know what happened. It just kind of happened on its own. Things don't just happen on their own. And a child doesn't end up on the spectrum of autism on his own. Now, if he was born that way, then, I, then it is what it is, and it's not what it's not. But he wasn't born that way. Mm-hmm. And I have the actual pictures and videos, like so many hundreds of thousands of families have. Right. We're, we're not, we're not a, 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 by ourselves on Gilligan's Island. I mean, we're, we're one of hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of, of families. And you know this, guys. I mean, in the 80s, it was what, one in some say 10,000, some say 7,500, whatever it was. But it was one, and it was very rare. Mm-hmm. And then now it's what, depending on the study you look at, one in 36, one in 34 in Jersey, it's even worse. I mean, it, it, that's not a problem. I mean, right. it's an epidemic. Well, then what's the cause? Are you kidding me? I mean, is it the water? Is it the air? Is it the Russians? What What the hell's so, going on? What are we doing? But, but <laughs> they have actually made zero progress in even trying to figure out what is causing what autism. Is causing They've made zero <laughs> they progress. They spend all in their time years. talking about what's not causing right. it, which is yep. one thing, exactly. and it's vaccines. That definitely doesn't cause it all the time, never, never, never. Right. But nobody knows what is causing it. And you're right. Nobody's really putting... It should be 24 hours a day, teams around the clock. Mm-hmm. This, this is an epidemic, way worse than, you know, any any uh, contagious right, right. And, virus and, or whatever that's yeah. going around. And, and meanwhile, vaccine injuries are the only correlation type events that parents are reporting like you know in in the tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of of anecdotal events Mm -hmm. that's the only thing that's showing up so i you know nico i love how you're saying i've never heard anyone say that before i told you he'd be good when you have have thousands of correlations that should lead to an investigation that's that's exactly right well absolutely look you mean they're worried about the what the 16 episodes of measles nobody asks for measles who gives a crap about measles i mean i had chicken pox myself and I, i'm fine i mean so you have, you have you have x amount of incidents of measles and you have this hundreds of thousands of issues of, 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 of incidents of autism and 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 look over here the distraction the smoke and mirrors i mean it, it, it's absolutely ridiculous and they create this environment of fear and they come in like the the, the saviors and the white horse to fix it with the vaccine and and there's and there's no i mean look here's what i said in one of the interviews for vax i think it was for vax too Melissa. i said every attorney regardless of what your opinion is because we can all have our opinions on, on the issue and the cause of, of so many children on the spectrum of autism. But every lawyer should have an issue with a system that has no safety studies, a lot of injuries and no accountability. Right. 
How is any lawyer in this country okay with that? No safety studies, a crap ton of injuries, and no accountability. Ah, you can't sue me. Go, go, get, it. go get the taxpayer money. My money's got to pay for it. So that, that makes no sense. And, and you, you know about the VAERS system, the Vaccine Adverse Events Reaction Reporting System, system. Mm-hmm. recording system. I mean, I mean, it's insane. The level of, what is it, like 59,000 in 2018? You guys will know the, right. the stats yeah. better than I would. Yeah. It was 50-something thousand, and then that Harvard study came out and said that only 1% mm-hmm. of people report to VAERS. I mean, so so you're worried about the cases of measles, but you have 5.9 million adverse effects to vaccines. I mean, you know, would they speculate too? because only one percent report? I mean, do the math. I mean, there's no logical consistency to that. That's my point. It's got to make sense. Well, also I mean, this idea of anecdotes, like you're saying, it's so funny <laughs> that anecdotes don't matter when it's a case of vaccine injury. But anecdotes are OK when it's the person who got measles and had to was hospitalized for pneumonia. Like that's an anecdote that's also. Right. But somehow that's that right. anecdote's totally fine. And that's one person, like you're saying, or maybe two that have this, quote unquote, complication from measles, which maybe is an ear infection and they're hospitalized for it. That's an anecdote. But then you have right. the anecdote of the child who was injured by a vaccine. And somehow that doesn't matter. That carries no weight, even though it's 10, 100, 1,000 times the number of anecdotes there, that they carry no weight. But it, but the one person whose grandparent had polio, the person who, you know, like these stories you always hear of like, well, I know somebody that got one of these vaccine preventable diseases, and this is what happened. And they use that with weight. That carries weight to them. But the weight mm-hmm. of the child who's injured by vaccines does not count because it's just an anecdote. It's just I, right. it's ironic that yeah. you see these things that are, it's just a double standard across the board well again and that goes back to my to my two points at the beginning logical consistency mm-hmm. and does it violate the law of non-contradiction aristotle's law of non-contradiction and and so and it does it, in and of itself that analysis is contradictory because it's it's it, it's not it's not applied evenly in both situations and it's right. not logically consistent mm-hmm. how can something be in this situation but not be in that situation exactly. it just it, it makes no sense and, and again i, I shelf my, my my the daddy of a, of a vaccine injured child I mean, look, I, I am, call it trained, used to not making an emotional decision. I mean, look, I witnessed the execution of my brother's murderer. People thought that when I was DA that I was going to choose for the death penalty more than not, just because of my, my very personal experience of witnessing the execution of my brother's murder. I chose against it and I chose for life in prison more than death penalty, not because I don't support the responsible use of the death penalty, but because I looked at the law, I looked at the facts, I looked at at, at the current culture and the fact that we have true life in prison now versus in the past and the old law, it wasn't true life in prison. And so I made decisions, I made a very objective, logical, evidence-based decision when I, when I had that choice to either choose death or life in prison. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm trained, if you will, if you can, if you can be trained that way, but I'm used to making objective decisions, not emotional decisions. So this is no different with this situation. I can look at evidence. I can look at facts and and make a decision. And so, like I said, I really am not emotional when I talk, I'm passionate as hell, but I'm not emotional when I look at evidence and I'm just going to follow it wherever it leads me. Mm -hmm. And, and, and and the thing that, 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 irritates me and I have to temper myself when people get into the name calling game. I mean, cause if I walk into court and called you names and brought no evidence, a jury would laugh me out of court, whether I was a prosecutor or a defense attorney would laugh me out of court. It's like, man, you're a dumbass. 
please exit the courtroom. You know, just I would have been ridiculed out of court. But yet in this world of debate or litigation in this vaccine world over the our different ideologies, I mean, the, the people that are militantly, religiously mm-hmm. pro-vaccines, they just, they lead with name calling. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, oh, you can't be a DA. Uh, you can't look at science. You're an idiot. How can you be somehow because I have an opinion about vaccines because I'm right about the objective analysis of the lack of evidence, all of a sudden I'm not going to be a good DA. I mean, it's just, it's again, it's a religion and it's a religion based off illogical reasoning. Right. And whenever you see those who are pro-vaccine mandates uh, and who really push for mandatory vaccines, you're absolutely right. They can never, they never scientifically refute any points we bring up, or any of our, our our scientifically you know proven points that show why mandates are wrong and mandates are bad for society and mandates won't even work and they're unnecessary, they they never argue with us on a on a scientific level. All they do is the personal attacks. All mm-hmm. they do is name call because that's all they have. But they know in the in the public domain that often works, especially it works on social media and it works in. Popular media. And it is easy. Right. You're right. It's easy. Yeah. Well, there, there's a saying. There's a saying in trial work. When you're a trial attorney, when you have the law on your side, you argue the law. When you have the facts on your side, you argue the facts. Mm-hmm. When you have neither, you attack the opposing counsel. Yeah, that makes sense. Because you got nothing else. Uh-huh. So you take, you take make personal attacks. And that's exactly, they, they don't have the law on their side. Well, they have the law for now, but they don't have a logical reasoning on their side. They definitely don't have the facts. They don't have the study. They don't have the mm-hmm. facts. And so they have to just name call. And that, to me, that's childish. And it, it would not hold up in a court of law. So why should it hold up in the court of public opinion? But it does. Yeah, no, it's so interesting. You know, I was reading an article or an interview you had done um, recently, and there was something that kind of caught my attention um, that you had said you you had without going into, you know, like necessarily what happened to your brother or much into that. But um, you had talked about this idea of machismo and this idea Mm -hmm. of like, you know, in your household growing up, you had never really said, I love you to your brother. You didn't you guys didn't hug. That wasn't part of the culture because men were sort of taught to be different. And I thought about that. And, you know, we've had a lot of conversations about the lack of men in this movement, the lack of fathers standing up and standing beside their women and for Mm -hmm. their children in this movement, which is a movement of mothers. I mean, there is just no question that the medical freedom movement, the informed consent movement is a movement of 90 to 95% women. We see this everywhere that we go. And I was thinking about your, what you were saying about how, you know, growing up that way. And I think that this movement has a lot to do with compassion and empathy. You have to be open hearted to really take in this idea of vaccine injury and to have compassion and empathy for these families. And I'm wondering if the way that society raises men to sort of not be, you know, tuned into that open heartedness and the ability to have that connection with people, if that is affecting men really being able to get involved in this movement and be on the streets with us and be totally involved in this fight and kind of what your thoughts might be on that. Yeah, I don't I don't know, to be honest with you, because I don't I don't think much of men these days. And I don't see that painted with a broad brush, but with men have been castrated in society. I mean, you talk about I mean, this whole toxic masculinity, men have been just beaten down into to shutting up. So so I, I don't I don't know if it's that it, if that's it. I think it's ignorance. 
I think it's a lack of courage. Courage is not a word used for men anymore. I think men have been beaten down by different movements. And it's like, man, I better just shut up. If I better not say anything, I can't, I can't give an opinion because I'm going to be called a name. I'm going to be labeled this. I'm going to be called sexist. I'm going to be said this. And men need to know and what it means to be a man. For me, a biblically minded man is a man that reveres his, his wife, protects her, serves her, sacrifices for her, gives his life for her. Like in Ephesians 5 and 1 Peter 3, I mean, it's Proverbs 31.10 talks very specifically about how men are, women are held up and should be honored and revered. And so that's my definition. So I'm, I'm a Christian feminist, right? I mean, I'm, not, I'm not, not the current feminist movement, but a Christian feminist, which is a beautiful movement. I and mean, women are revered. And so I don't know what the answer is to that. I, I noticed it myself that there are very few men it's with strong advocacy in this. And I don't know if it's guilt because I, I dealt with guilt. That we're we're called to protect me as a mm-hmm. as a type A alpha male. It's my job to protect my children, and I failed my son. I mean, I dealt with that for years. This guilt. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you you know what you know, and you don't know what you don't know. I mean, so obviously it wasn't intentional, but I, I I dealt with that. I had to pray about it and ask, you know, and forgive myself. And I remember even talking to Michael and saying, Michael, forgive me. I mean, he's trapped in a prison. I see it in his eyes. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's, it's tough, you know. So my, my older brother, Mike, whom, you know, at the moment he needed me the most on August 15, 1996 at 2.14 in the morning, I wasn't there for him. I didn't know he was outside and he could protect himself. But it was, you know, he didn't have a weapon with him at the time. And so it was this, it was this guilt for me. Now, I use that guilt to make me, you know, just this will not be in vain. There's no way I'm going to, I'm going to tell my son's story right. and, I, and I'm honored when other people say, you know, Nico, thank you, you and your wife for, for being courageous enough to at least make me think and pause. And either we spread out the vaccines or we did this. Cause if our son or daughter would be injured, we wouldn't have been able to deal with it. And, and you know what? Praise God for that. And I will not let Michael's challenges be in vain. I won't. And so I, I think the lack of men in here, I don't know if it's because they don't spend as much time with the children. I don't, there's no doubt that God has ordained women in such a beautiful way, which you guys do to bless us with our children and the way you serve the children and, and just endless oh, night after night. Davi, my wife is a super mom. I mean, she's up in her patience and her perseverance and drive and determination. And mine is in a different way. And that's why together, you know, I, I, I hope and pray we make a great team. But she does things that I'm just not capable of doing and vice versa. So I don't know what the answer is to that, one, Melissa. I just know that that I, I owe it to my son and I owe it to, to in my faith. It's to speak the truth always and the truth sets you free, John 8, 31. And so I believe that Hosea 4, 6 is a passage that I really preach to people my people perish for lack of knowledge. Ignorance is ignorance is not bliss. It's dangerous. Mm-hmm. And and what you don't know can hurt you, as they say mm-hmm. in the old days. And so I just my job is to inform people. I've never told anyone not to vaccinate. I won't. Um, I, I encourage them to educate themselves. I refuse to receive the label and the name calling of an anti-vaxxer. I'm a pro-truther. Mm-hmm. I'm pro-truth. If you tell me if you show me the truth, give me the evidence. I'll go back to vaccinating my kids from head to toes. And, and, and in the crevices too, everywhere. If you show me it's, it's okay with them, mm-hmm. it's not. You can't do that. You can't tell me that the mixture, the concoction of thimerosal, lead, aluminum, and all the other things that go into that cocktail are safe in any human body, especially an infant. 
And you mentioned in Vax, too, uh, something that I liked and that will have to get bleeped. Just be prepared, Dr. Bob. Get ready to write down this, <laughs> this thing. Um, that you wanted to be the voice for the son. Again, we're going to go into that in just a little bit. But that you wanted to be the voice for your son since he no longer had one. And you specifically said sure. you refuse to be too chicken to stay silent. That's right. And, and so that this is in accordance with what you were just saying. This idea that... Our children need us to be outspoken. And, you know, so do, so do the fathers need to be, obviously. That's um, right. Just like the mothers. Because you're right, the uh, mothers have a connection to these children because they've witnessed this day in, day out. They're with them 24 hours a day. Think about this. I mean, you know, as you guys know, in, in, in families that have a child on the spectrum of autism, there's like an 85% divorce rate. Mm-hmm. So the lack of, of men involvement, Mike, I, I have not looked at the stats. I mean, is it because the families have, have split? Is it because daddy's doing this and then and mommy's over here and mom's in the fight, dad's given up and, you know, he's checked out? I don't know. Look, I deal with a social experiment called the justice system, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's a social experiment. I know what I can say, and I have no empirical data on this. It's just my observation. It seems to me that men want to be cool and they want to be accepted. And I think they see that this fight is brutal. And and mommies just don't mm-hmm. get to I mean, my mama bear, you mean she'll shank you looking at your kid wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I got that daddy bear deal, like that, that lion, you know, protector type mentality. But I'm telling you, I, I think I like a lot of men don't understand it. They don't, they, they're, they're not in it. They don't I think there's a lot of fatigue. It takes a, I mean, it takes a lot. It's emotionally draining. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's mentally draining because there's more moms that I would take into a courtroom to testify as an expert. And I could probably qualify them as an expert than most people with all the letters you want behind their name. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are some intelligent women out there that could, I mean, out debate you and have a, uh, you know, litigate with you on, on facts and science and, and lack thereof and all these other things. And, and, and so I don't know, I, I think men they want to be more accepted. Mom's just like, it's my kid. Now, not all men. And again, I'm not one of those guys, obviously, uh, the good doctor is not one of those guys, obviously, right? I mean, you're a doctor and you're putting yourself in the lion's den. I, I commend you for that. But I think it's a combination of things. And, and I would be interested to, to, to the listeners that you have and the women. I mean, uh, have they been divorced, not divorced, on the, on the verge of it? Is it causing mm-hmm. strain? And, and I just, I encourage the men, just, just listen, pause for a little while. It's got to be organic. It cannot be fake or, or, or prompted. I mean, it, it's got to come, you got to, it's got to come from you. And, 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 and there's a lot of disappointment in men because it, they have these ideas of what their child is supposed to be like. And that I was no different. I had, I mean, my, my first son named after my brother who was murdered. Are you kidding me? You talk about a kick in the crotch. I mean, that was, that was something that I had to battle in my mind and, and, you know, and it was a, it was a tough road for me, but I, again, I went straight to the, to the word of God. I and I prayed about it a lot and it was not easy. And that's why I am I have more resolve than ever. There's nobody going to back me off of this. You you better bring a mm-hmm. ton of evidence. And then I will always correct myself to truth. And I'm sure. not talking about relative truth. I'm not talking about my truth versus truth doesn't care about your feelings. Truth is is real. It's universal and, and it's exclusive by definition. And so I will always submit myself to truth, objective truth, mm-hmm. not subjective truth. And, um, and so that's where I'm at. So I, this fight needs to be had. And, and it just seems like more people are waking up to it because once you know, Melissa and dog, you know, you can't unknow it. No, no. You just can't. I mean, if, if you really open your heart, your mind and your logic, you can't unknow this information. And it's, it's, it, 
questions have to be asked. Our, our legislator has, our lawmakers have to be held accountable. I mean, there's some there's some idiots here in Texas that say, you know, nobody comes in my office if you're not vaccinated. Mm-hmm. That's what do you care if your vaccines work? What do you give a crap if I'm not vaccinated? I haven't been vaccinated in, I'm 47 years old. Gosh, I don't even know, 35 years or, I mean, I was younger. I got, what, seven of them, whatever it was on my schedule back then or five or whatever it was. But but I've been, I've never had a flu shot. Well, I mean, like I say to Dr. Bob and everybody else, what does it mean to be vaccinated? So to that, yeah. to that legislator in Texas, or we, we heard of one in Washington as well, that was a congressional legislator. What does that mean to be vaccinated? Like which ones, how many doses? Like nobody qualifies that. They mm-hmm. make it like very black or white, but does it just mean for measles? Because is that the thing everybody's worried about? Does it mean for measles and pertussis and the flu? Like, what does it mean? It, like, you know, I'm sure most people wouldn't say if you haven't had your third dose of hepatitis B, you can't come in my office. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's this understanding of what it means to be vaccinated and nobody qualifies that never it's just get well, your it's kids a bunch vaccinated. of sound bites it's, it. it's, it's just it's like one it's like you either do or you don't but as everybody yeah. knows it's a sliding scale it's a sliding scale it's not one of those things you either do or you don't and this guy at a town hall meeting he said you know uh, mr da uh, do you uh, don't you think you're irresponsible for not vaccinating your child i go well let's test your theory do you vaccinate your children because of course i do i go what are in those vaccines have you ever looked at the insert? I said, well, um, well, I, I, I frankly, um, well, I know that it's got a little bit of the whatever you're trying to vaccinate. I mean, it's some stupid ass response. And I said, who's the irresponsible one now? You don't, even, you don't know what they're injecting in your child and I'm the irresponsible one? I'm just asking for evidence. You're just blindly walking into the gas chamber yes. and I'm the irresponsible one. Your definitions are a little skewed, sir. So I'm going to respectfully disagree. Well, also uh, you might call, want to rethink that. To call you an anti-vaxxer when if a child's vaccine injured, it's like uh, by definition, that child is vaccinated. Well, they don't acknowledge that, though. See, of but here's, so here's what I tell them. I say, I did it your way. Don't forget that. Right, I totally. have two kids that were vaccinated. Played the game. I, right, my, yeah. my, 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 my first child, our, our first child, Maya, she broke out in hives. We didn't know. They, they actually told my wife, look how stupid this is. Uh, they, they told my wife that she was allergic to her breast milk. I think I'm and I even saying that, yeah. I, and I tried to give the doctor a way out. I said, Doc, you mean what's in her breast milk, right? And he goes, no, no, her breast milk. I said, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I, said, I, I said, like, that. obviously we parted ways. But, I mean, it was even before I had researched this stuff. I mean, Michael wasn't even born, so it wasn't like I was so passionate. I was just yeah, using yeah. some common sense. I said, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. We were terrified as first-time parents. We didn't know. Mm-hmm. And we just said, yeah, vaccinate, vaccinate whatever you want. We thought they were well. So, Miley is vaccinated up until three years old. Michael until he's 16 months. Mm-hmm. And then zero since then. And then our last two kids have zero vaccine vaccines and I'm zero, like not one. Mm-hmm. And so we become this unintended experiment. Totally. We're truly a vaxxed versus unvaxxed yep. experiment. The same genetics, right? same family. I mean, and then very different results. Our last two kids have never had an ear infection, mm-hmm. not one. When they get sick and they're building up their immune system, literally within 72 hours at the most, they're better. Other kids are 10 days on some antibiotic or some uh, whatever's going on out there. Yep. We you know some some natural stuff and essential oils and silver and and you know some some holistic things. You know, fruit and, and good healthy eating. 
and and they're better. Praise God. And the immune system works, actually. Can you imagine that? I see the same thing in my office uh, over and over again. You know, families with three or four kids raised in this sort of the the two different ways that you're describing. Mm-hmm. You know, and unfortunately, after an injury, yeah, and they're the next one or two or three kids they have that they raise vaccine-free, they my my general impression is that they seem way healthier and the oh, yeah. illnesses are shorter and mm-hmm. milder. And it's mm-hmm. you know, it's a very interesting observation that I, I have the I same, see every day. Yeah, the same case study in my house. I mean, I have the yeah. same thing. <laughs> my second, my, so my son is named Justice, by the way, which I thought you'd mm. like, um, because I know yes. you talk about justice quite a bit, um, yes. considering your background. But uh, he's also, he's vaccine-free after what happened to my daughter. So yeah, you really do mm. see in your own house, you can really see these differences very up close, and you know that everything else is the same, food's the same, drugs are the same, breastfeeding is the same. It's like, what is the difference? There's only one difference there. And then it's a story you hear over and over and over again. Melissa, where, where is your daughter on the spectrum? So she's not. So my daughter is didn't have neurodevelopmental disorders, but she had a, a whole series of different reactions, including okay. um, seizures, neurological, intestinal damage. Oh, wow. um, mm. Her stuff was kind of, like I say, it's, it's it was instant in some cases and some was cumulative, but she basically basically had 19 doses over her first year and had a whole series of different reactions. It took me a long time until after her 12 month appointment uh, until I realized what was going on. And we had even done only two at a time, um, no more than two at a time. And it was still too much for her at her very first appointment. But I since found out that I was um, hospitalized for a febrile seizure after a vaccine as a child. And I was put on anti-seizure meds until I was five, which was kind of common practice at that point. But um, it's interesting when you when you are faced with this, with your own children, how you start to look at your family medical history and you find out things, things I was never asked, of course, by the pediatrician before we vaccinated my daughter. They never asked me a single time what my family medical history, was there a history of seizures? Has that happened before? Nobody even asked that question. I didn't even know I was supposed to look in that direction before making decisions and maybe delaying or holding off or doing something slightly differently. But yeah, mine was a whole series for her. It was a whole series of different things over that first year. And, and it, you know, it forced me into this entire debate, which of course I knew nothing about at the time, which was what I was going to ask you is this, this idea that you were sort of brought into this because of your son's story. And then you all of a sudden were aware that there was a community of parents Mm -hmm. fighting for vaccine safety and acknowledgement of their injured kids. Were you shocked to know that there were this many people in the same position that you were in? Were you in your I was. I was. I mean, look, I knew nothing about autism except until I watched Rain Man. Nobody did. I, I mean, I mean, you know, Rain Man, as we know, it was an autistic savant, very rare, but mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's an amazing phenomenon there and mentally, but, but I didn't know anything about Rain Man. I, I mean, I didn't know anything about autism. I didn't know what it was. We didn't have any autistic kids. We had a kid with Down syndrome with us when I was growing up, but there was no autism. There wasn't one in 30 something or one in mm-hmm. 40. I mean, just nobody had EpiPens and there weren't, no, I mean, just, you were just normal kids. I mean, nobody was on any type of, you know, medication. It was, it was just, you had some sinuses, allergies and whatever. It was just different back then. I mean, like I said, I'm 47 years old. It was a different world. I knew nothing about autism. I have a, uh, an aunt who my grandma had in her late forties, who was mentally challenged. She does not have down syndrome, but she is, she's MR. She her, has an IQ of substantially under, uh, under 70. But that's not autism. <laughs> you, you understand my point? That's not autism. She was born that way, by the way. I mean, this is Michael wasn't born that way. Right. And so I, I was I was shocked, you know, 
it's it was surprising to see and 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 it hurt me for the families that didn't maybe have a voice that I might have had you know you know when I came out when I was the elected DA and said vaccines can and do cause autism I mean it went bananas worldwide and I knew it was going to do that I knew that was going to happen and I was honored that I had the platform to do it and mm-hmm. I prayed about it it was not an easy decision it wasn't a decision that came to screw it no matter what I mean I was given the responsibility of serving this community as the district attorney but I can't divorce myself from being the DA it's no different than at the time Governor Perry of Texas was advocating for the Gardasil vaccine oh, yeah. as the governor and we know he had ties to that industry with a friend of his or whatever. I mean, I, I wouldn't shake his hand if he gave it to me for other reasons. But and, and then President Obama was advocating for, for vaccines. So if President Obama as the president can advocate for vaccines. Governor Perry as the governor can advocate for vaccines. But Nico LaHood as the DA can't say, in my opinion, they call I, I call bullshit on that again, too. I mean, that just that, that makes no sense to me. You don't have a rule that applies to you or to me, but not to you. That's hypocrisy by definition, if you look it up. And so I just I will I will not sit back to hypocrisy. There's got to be an even playing field. I mean, Lady Justice in my world wears a blindfold. She doesn't pick it up every once in a while to see who she's dealing with. The blindfold stays on all the time. And she looks at the law and the facts and she puts them together. I'm going to look at the studies and the facts and empirical data and I'm going to put it all together. It's no different to me. That's why this is this analysis is very easy. Well, Nico, you're surrounded by <clears throat> other legal professionals, smart people who, who make decisions based on empirical data and empirical evidence. And, you know, you talk to judges. And I mean, you, your your profession is probably filled with some of the smartest people in our country, and and people that make decisions based on evidence. So I'm I'm curious, what do you hear from your colleagues when you tell them your your son's story and tell them how you analyze the evidence and saw the clear correlation and the timing of his de- developmental regression uh, in relation to vaccination? And do they? stop and think do the, do you, do you mm. reach them on that level or do they just for the most part just shut you down saying it's 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 impossible well the people that i have a relationship with will listen and i can't tell me at times like well you, you know they want to repeat a soundbite they want to say some rhetoric that they've heard i mean look lawyers i mean you know there's good and bad lawyers out there and, and you give lawyers too much credit i mean <laughs> i mean i i wasn't a good defense attorney for my son I mean, look, think about this. I question experts for a living. That's what I do. If you say, hey, I have an expert that says this about your client, I say, well, your expert sucks. And I have two experts. And they say, oh, yeah, well, I have three experts. And then I say, let me show you how your three experts suck. And I have four experts. <laughs> and we do this back and forth, right? That's what we do in a court of law. Yeah. I'm used to dealing with evidence. I'm used to dealing with science. I'm used to dealing with doctors. I'm used to dealing with cross-examining. I educate myself and I get an expert to educate me on the subject matter. And then I go, I go to town. But when it came to my son, it was like just marching to the drum, you know, Pavlov's dog, you know, ding, 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 saliva, go. And they said, I didn't ask a question. No one even, I didn't even think to ask a question. Matter of fact, if you, on the high wire with Dale Bigtree, when I did that interview in the studio, my friend George that I talk about, who was a high level scientist for Merck, he has four kids. None of them are vaccinated. He was in clinical development. I mean, he was in, I mean, he was, he was on the bench, as they say, doing the experiments. The guy's brilliant. And he didn't overlook vaccine distribution, but he was working on other drugs and he was a supervisor over vaccines, but not directly. And he had four kids, wife's an RN. None of them are vaccinated. Not one of them. The guy works for Merck. 
are used to at the time in the, in the laboratory right. and he didn't vaccinate. I mean, hello. I mean, if you're not, if you're a chef and you don't eat your own food then you're a fraud, <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah. so I, love that. I mean, so this cool. is, this is the example. And he tried to warn me guys and loving me. Really? Now, he's the guy that we, we, we do a lot of biblical teachings together and he tried to warn me lovingly because he knows how sensitive this topic is. And I said, George, come on, man. I mean, doctors, they wouldn't, but they're going to lie. But I mean, I just, mm-hmm. I mean, we just, we are so conditioned. Yep. We are so, it's almost like saying, oh, the most important meal of the day is what? Breakfast. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> what evidence is there? It's not the most important meal of the day. Matter of fact, we know that intermittent fasting is tremendously good for your body. And so now everybody's advocating to skip breakfast, which <laughs> pisses off the milk and the dairy and the egg industry. But I mean, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but look at that. We just, we all repeat that. It depends on There's how no- hungry I am, Nico. Come on. I mean, like, like, maybe I ate it like, you know, I skipped dinner the night Fair before. Enough. I mean, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it all depends on the situation. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's right. But that, that's that's interesting, Nico. So, I mean, you're, you're raising your you know your first child, and you're vaccinated, and you're raising your second child, um, and he is healthy and thriving. He's he's talking. He's developmentally t- developing. Mm-hmm. You're meeting all his milestones, and and you also have your. Do you have your friend from Merck yet at this point before your mm-hmm. child's injury? And we do, and we he's, do, he's Doc. Talking yeah. to you about it, and, and like you said, you're just you're saying no. Doctors can't be wrong. Doctors, mm-hmm. you know, have to know what they're doing. You That's right. have this blind trust, and then the experts, essentially, that you felt like you had these experts looking out for the best interests of your children. And, and now mm-hmm. I know, you know, that you have to be that expert looking out for your best interests. But I'm curious, what, you know, what happened with your child? He's around 16, 18 months. He got, the, yeah. you know, the, the, one, the, you know the, the round of vaccines at that time. Tell us exactly what happened and over what kind of time frame did you see his developmental problems begin? Sure. Well, you know, he was vaccinated on day one. Hmm. We didn't know. And, and by the end of that first day, he was in the NICU for a week. Oh. I mean, I, can't, can't, I mean, for what? Who the hell knows? They just say, kiss your baby goodbye, going to the NICU. What the hell for? Mm-hmm. And so we spent 10 days in the NICU with the baby as they're filling him with antibiotics and giving him stuff. It's almost like, well, what the hell? We got to do something. I mean, I, I really, this crapshoot approach to to certain aspects of the medical profession is frustrating for me. Yeah. I don't just, yeah. you know, it, it, it right. Well, I don't know what it is. Here's just take a Z pack. Well, what do you mean? But why would I do that? Right. Let's try yeah. Let's try this. Oh, that was the wrong antibiotic. Why'd you give it to me in the first place? Then mm. I don't understand. Or you have the so flu my, an antibiotic. You're like the flu yeah. virus. Yeah. Like, why are you giving yes. an antibiotic? Yeah. It's so it, odd. It, it, exactly. Or Tamiflu. Well, what are the effects of that? So, so there was this, all this medicine getting pumped into him. So within a, a relatively short period of time, he develops pyloric stenosis. So he's got this tremendous projectile, which a lot of kids do because they're already seeing that injury in the line of their gut. Exactly. And, and so he was going to need surgery. didn't need surgery. Of course, we're just, we're vaccinating him every time they go into, we're following the schedule. We didn't know. Mm-hmm. No one even said like, Hey, you know what? We might want to look at this. Nobody says that zero. And, and I didn't know to look at the inserts. I didn't know to ask for anything. I'm still on this train of just believe, believe, believe. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he was making eye contact and the goo goo gagas and he's about to talk and he's smiling for pictures and acknowledging people that walk in a room. 
And then around, like I said, the 16 months, to be fair, maybe the 18 month mark. And when you don't realize there's going to be a a tragedy, you're not paying attention. Right. It's not like, hey, uh, by the way, at two o'clock tomorrow, there's going to be. So pay attention so you can. I want to hear all the details later. Okay, I'll be paying attention. Right. And so you don't know because it wasn't even that obvious at the time. Of course, my wife comes home from the doctors. I wasn't there during that round. And 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 then I would say. Again, I didn't even know when that round happened. I'll be going to take Michael for his checkup. Okay, whatever that means. I love you. Call me after. Let me know what the doc says. Oh, things are great. He's growing. Okay. Oh, by the way, they jammed a couple of needles in him with him. How many rounds in each needle? You know, just kind of mixed all together synergistically, I understand. But it was it was in weeks. Within, within weeks, he started developing ticks and losing eye contact, of course, not responding to his name. The smiles went away. What do you, what do they always do? check his hearing, check his hearing. Maybe well, he was hearing was fine. Okay. We'll check his hearing. I don't know why, but we got to do something. He's not responding to his name. His hearing was fine. And we just kind of went along this road and, and, and little by little Dobby started doing some investigation. Um, I guess we started talking to my buddy George even more, his wife, because mm-hmm. her, her brother is on the spectrum of autism, but very severe. And, and, and her mom swears it was after vaccines, but back then he's my age, he's 40 something late forties mm-hmm. and he's pretty severe. Well, they, no one would even look at you to think that that was, a, that was the issue with these inoculations. Yeah. And when people mm-hmm. talk about immunization, like, vaccines are not immunizations. I mean, they're vaccines. I mean, I'm immune to the chicken pox because I got the chicken pox. It went through my lymph nodes into my gut system and I'm immune to the chicken pox now. I'm, I wasn't vaccinated to, to right. get rid of the chicken right. pox. And so, I mean, you know, terms matter. Words mean something to me. And so you know, it was it was relatively quick, guys. And, and we knew it. It was it was close enough to that big round for us to, to make some connection. And it was really Davi. She's the superstar in all this, as you can imagine. And then, and then for me, for, 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 my personality, the guilt set in and that, and then I just got pissed. I mean, I, I can, I can get myself worked up into, into a pretty good, good frenzy. And that's why I really temper myself with my faith because I don't want to get emotional because it's emotional. I mean, look, I mean, I, I've missed out on nine years of conversation. I mean, I, I've never had a conversation with my son. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know what his thoughts are. We 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 do that. I mean, if if if, if, if something doesn't change, I'm not going to have grandkids with my son. Mm-hmm. And 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 that that should matter. People's stories matter. When you get cheated out of a life, yeah, right. and I already got cheated out of one life, you, and, and there's no way in hell I'm going to shut up. You're not going. You mm-hmm. you might as well. We're going to. And you better bring up. You know, bring your wep- your choice of weapons. We're going to fight. I'm not, not backing down. One life too, because it's the siblings, it's the parents, it's right. the extended family and friends. I mean, it, the type of domino effect that something like this has, and then the discussion that people have had about what happens in the next twenty years with these children, who's going to be right. caring for them, and That's what's right. going to happen when a generation of children are not able to like independently live in society, and who's going to shoulder that burden, and and then everybody's going to want to figure out we have a problem, and you know, it's like you've got thousands and tens of thousands of parents saying that we've got a serious issue here. And, um, and instead of looking into it and solving it, instead of trying to solve it, they literally just want to deflect from, from a connection we know is happening because they, they're, I'm I'm sure assuming there's going to be a huge panic if, if the information Mm -hmm. comes out. And I understand that fear, you know, I understand that the entire system comes down from what it was. I get that. 
But I truly mm. feel parents have a right to know. I don't care how damaging that information is. Parents have a right to know. You cannot keep that information from parents because you're afraid they will find out. Like mm. it, that is just unethical. And I think that's really the bigger thing we're dealing with is it's like the lie is covering up the lie is covering up the lie. And it's just so big now. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you, we, I study MO, right? Modo operandi. So we know what pharma did with Vioxx, right? Mm -hmm. They knew they were killing people. They knew it, but they figured, ah, eh, by the time it's all said and done, they figured out we'll write a big check and we'll have a net net gain. I mean, they, it, it's borderline evil. I mean, well, I'm going to say it's evil. Screw it. Not borderline. Shit. It's evil. It's yeah. evil. And, 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 and that they should be held accountable. I mean, they will be held accountable eternally. And I say that boldly without hesitation, they will be, you cannot play with people's lives and alter destinies of families and not think you're going to pay at some point. You, you, you're not going to get away with it. And I find peace in my faith. I find peace in that. But until, until I'm called off this battlefield of life, I'm going to keep fighting for truth. You have to for our children and our children's children and other people's kids too. It's not just about my kids. Right. And in speaking of ethics, you had said, get ready for the beeper again, um, Dr. Bob, you had said you make a, a politician. Um, I do. You said because in politics is not conducive for good people, which I agree 100 percent. I agree that I feel like people get into politics with the intention of really trying to help people. Um, and they really think they're going to make a difference. And I think the game, the process, the industry of it all basically corrupts people over time. And the longer you're in it, the worse that it gets. Um, tell me more about kind of what you what you mean by this idea of like being a good person, being morally backed and really feeling like you're authentic and doing what you what you believe is right and following truth and how hard that is to be in alignment with what politics are today, which is really dangerous because we're talking about people making laws and now taking away rights of people and they're doing it not based on what's right and true, but what is funding them or what is behind them. Yeah. Politics has become a profession versus being a passion. Mm -hmm. That's where we've lost it. I, I, I believe that was a, a very good public servant. I was a very good statesman. But when I said I was a politician is because a politician to by today's standards will tell you what you want to hear will right. tell them what they want to hear is is personally driven it, it's not about yourself mm -hmm. i mean the way this was set up is people go serve and they come back to their farm and they go back to life and they go send their to send they bring a practical approach to something and then hand it off to somebody mm -hmm. who was equally yoked in, in mindset and, and they had a meaning of the minds because we all had a, a, a culture was the same culture meaning the way you do things in life but the root word of politics in the greek just means to advocate the, the, to advocate for what some define as the affairs of the city so you what are you advocating for the affairs of the city so that the worst advice we got growing up and melissa you sound much younger than me and the good doctor here i'm not but the I'm worst not, i'm not though i'm only a couple years you younger have to than be. you nico i'm telling you well, you sound like you're in your 20s i know, I know you my sound god like I'm, your 20s. No, I'm 42 this year so i'm, I'm right god bless you. you yeah well you. and doc's 43 and i'm 47 so we're good <laughs> yes, um yes i am <laughs> you know but 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 politics is just means advocacy and so the worst advice we got was what are the, what are the two things you don't talk about in public circles is what Politics religion. religion. Mm -hmm. That's it. Horrible advice. The worst advice you could ever get. I would never give my kids that advice. So religion to me, just is what's your worldview? Are you atheist? That's a worldview. That's your religion. Are you agnostic? Are you Hindu, Buddhist, Shintoist, Taoist, Christian, what denomination, Islamic? So what is your worldview? What is your quote unquote religion? What is your ideology? And then what are you advocating for? What are your politics? 
how can I live as a peaceful neighbor to you? Even if we disagree passionately, how can I live if I don't know what you're advocating for and what your worldview is? So we need to have these discussions mm-hmm. and you can't worry about being comfortable Difficult and you can't. Discussions. Yep. Right. Well, I mean, they're really not, but it's easy, way. but not to right. I mean, but you need to work things out. You have to risk offending each other, not trying to, but risk it to have meaningful conversation. How do I tell you that I don't like, well, that's right. I mean, we have to, we have to tolerate, not condone behavior, certain behavior, but tolerate it. We definitely do. And so uh, politics to me has turned into such a bad word. And I love the idea of politics. What are you advocating for? And what are the affairs of your city? And meaning your, your environment and how you do things. And so politics should be discussed. Platforms are different. So the political platform is the, the donkey or the elephant, right? And so that's the platform and it will change. I mean, Democrats and Republicans have changed and they're going to continue to change. And who knows? Well, who knows? The Democrat party has gone off the deep end, but I mean, it, things are going to change as, as, as things move on, but your principles won't. That's why I stick to my principles and ideology, my worldview, Judeo-Christian principles that have to be logically consistent. They can't contradict each other. And I have to be able to give an answer for why I believe what I believe. And I can. And so that's not done enough. So the reason why I was not good at politics is because I refuse to tell people what they want to hear. That's not, there's no honor in that to me. Mm -hmm. You're a salesman selling snake oil Mm. and I won't do it. I I think that you're a fraud and that's not what you let your yes be a yes. Let your no be a no. Be, be courageous, be, be passionate about it, but also be principled, be Mm -hmm. courteous also. I mean, be gracious, but be principled Mm -hmm. and then explain, be transparent. I was always transparent. You can ask me why. And I'll give you the answer. But it's the same mindset. I'm defending a position. So there is an accusation. The accusation is that we're nuts. The accusation is that we're anti this. The the accusation is that we're just a bunch of emotional whatevers. And so I'm I'm defending my son. I'm defending a position and I'm pushing back. I don't just I'm not just playing defense. I mean, I'm going to be offensive as well. My a good defense is what a very strong offense, and so I refuse to to take on the piñata as we say in San Antonio mentality, where someone just takes swipes at you. I'm not a punching bag. If you're gonna you're gonna step in the ring with me, you better have you better have your headgear on. And so we're we're gonna we're gonna litigate. We're gonna spar. We're gonna we're gonna have we're gonna go back to back, toe to toe, so to speak, with evidence and advocacy. And 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 I'm not gonna back down. I won't. I will I will humble myself to truth every day of the week. Of course, I, I submit myself to the Lord. I submit myself to my wife lovingly and, and my children. But but and I'll also submit myself to truth, but I will not submit myself to a fight because I'm afraid I'm not. And so it, that's, it's that mentality that I take into the battle that it's just part of my DNA. It's just it's just the way God wired me. It was developed over time because I feel like I've been fighting my whole life, you know, whether you know, justice for my brother who was murdered or, 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 or me overcoming a poor choice and trying to fight to, to, to get away from labels as a drug dealer or a criminal or whatever it was when I was young and stupid or in politics, you get called every name in the book by cowards in their underwear behind a keyboard. And so, I mean, you just, you know, it's the same people that work for the trolls on the pharmaceutical side. But I mean, so, so what do you do? I mean, so do you, what do you, you, you stand forward and you, you, you present your case. I'm not going to scream someone into loving Jesus or, or supporting the position of the truth behind vaccines. I'm going to logically present the case like I do a jury passionately, but with evidence. I want credibility. 
And so you, you gain credibility if you're educating and you can bring the supporting evidence to support your position. And that's what I do. Again, I make no emotional pleas. I don't, I don't, I'm nothing against crying or getting emotional, but nobody wants to see that. I want to bring logic to the, to the discussion. And if they're going to say no to me or they're going to call me crazy, they're going to be calling crazy the logic and the, and the evidence that I'm bringing to the table and the lack of answers that they have. I promise right, you right. when you push back, I mean, it just, it turns into, Oh gosh, they didn't give me that many sound bites. I've already called you four names. I don't have any more names to call you. Okay. Well, we're not hearing the name calling. It's not nanny, nanny, boo, boo. It's give me the evidence because the jury's got to make a decision. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, um, Nika, what are some of your current passions um, that you do you know, outside the office? I know you're heavily involved with, with your church and your community. You uh, do a lot of podcasting. Um, you know, tell I mean, like what, what's sort of your your biggest passion or your your outlet for, you know, um, your your Christian views and uh, and your views yeah. about vaccines Is it mostly through podcasting now. It is, you know, I, I do teach, I teach a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm I, I do prison ministry. I, oh, I teach quarterly with my buddy, George, the one that worked for Merck. And we, we teach apologetics, which is, it comes from the Greek word apologia to give an answer. And when you look at the Greek word, it's to give a defense, to, to give a defense for your position. So I, we teach apologetics of the Christian worldview. Again, I am, I'm not a kumbaya Christian. I mean, I have a podcast called R-rated Christianity that gives you a little heads up of, yeah. of the web. And I do oh, men's Bible studies. So that sounds interesting. Yeah. Write it down, guys. We'll, we'll, we'll probably put it in the, the bio description of this yeah. episode to let people get to you as well. Yeah, there's no bleeping on that one. And so <laughs> we just talk, you know, and you know, I never use the Lord's name in vain, but we're going to be authentic. I think people are starving for authenticity in politics yeah. and in the church. And again, I, I, I present the case for a biblical worldview. Uh, I, and so it just makes sense to me. I, I've studied the Bible. I don't encourage people to read the Bible because anybody can read it, but study it. And you have to understand what something that they call hermeneutics, meaning translations of Hebrew and the Old Testament, Greek linguistics, cultures, history. I mean, so you have to look at all these things when you're, when you're looking at this ancient book from antiquities and, and, and garnering the wisdom that God put in that book. It's a fascinating book from from an objective standpoint. Again, I'm not this feel good Kumbaya tent revival Christian. I'm a raw, rough, yeah. R rated Christian that has been in the battlefield and my faith has been very much tested. Yeah. And I came out on the other side. So that's my passion. Uh, health is my passion. I, I eat very healthy. I work out. I used to compete in martial arts. I don't do that anymore. Um, uh, but I still try to stay healthy for, for my family and my kids. And it's an outlet for me to burn off some steam. And then it's just it's just kids. I'm, now that I'm not in politics anymore for now, I've just enjoyed my weekends back with my kids. So if I'm not doing oh, yeah. some type of ministry or podcasting, to try to encourage people to think that's really what I want to do. I want to encourage people to think we don't critically think anymore. We don't mm -hmm. teach our kids to do that. If, if, it's, on, if it's on Facebook, it's gotta be true. <laughs> or if it's a soundbite and you know, hey, it sounds cute. And then they just repeat it a hundred times. And so it's gotta be true. And so I just want to encourage people to think and reason together. And so that's what I try to advocate. Well, and to clarify for everyone, the R rated in your podcast actually stands for what? Real, raw, and redemptive. All right. Yes. I mean, so we we have we have real we have real conversations. They're very raw, <laughs> and and hopefully leading to to a position of a place of redemption. And that's yeah. what that's the Christian message, right? God takes all your crap and He makes a beautiful masterpiece out of it if you hand it over. And so, so the redemptive aspect of, of, of the Christian worldview is beautiful, and it's and it's scandalous. It was scandalous in Jesus' time. It's scandalous today. 
Have you um, uh, been well received by your Christian brethren in the church community uh, regarding the issues of vaccine injury? Do they do you find they listen more to you or do you find they listen less? Are they more, you know, more or less open to to hearing these kinds of truths regarding vaccines? I, anyone that follows me, and, and I say this humbly, I'm not being arrogant when I say this, knows that I don't just say things out of my ass. I mean, I'm, I'm going to back it up. Mm-hmm. And so so when you gain credibility, and that's why it's so important not to let your emotions take over and just say something to say it. I always try to double check. I'm, I'm human like anybody else, but I never present something in court that I can't back up. A jury will hold you accountable later. So that's my mentality. I always know that I can be held accountable, and I never want someone to correct me. That's not an arrogant statement. It's a credibility statement. Mm-hmm. And so I always want to be credible. And with a jury, if, if, if you gain that credibility, then – on, on close calls, they're going to, they're going to side with you. And I just want to make sure that I'm always representing the truth. Well, and even if the truth is not something that's on my side, it doesn't matter. The truth doesn't care about my feelings either. Mm-hmm. Truth is truth. And so I, I, it is well received. I, I, I marvel not in a good way, almost embarrassing when people, I mean, I read an article where someone said that you cannot, they, they, they made some case that if you're a Christian, you should be vaccinating your kids. And I just said, what, what, <laughs> yes. what, what Bible is this guy reading? And what is just, I mean, it was just absolute insanity as if God ordained vaccines, like God ordained chemo and radiation or some crap. I mean, that that's comp- not, not that God can't use man-made things. Of course he does. But what are you talking about? Right. I mean, there's no way that you can support a biblical principle saying, yes, walk your kids into this insane asylum and just inject them with all this crap with no evidence that are safe. Yes, that's a biblical principle. I don't know which one it is because Hosea 4, 6 says my people perish for lack of knowledge. And we, we are truth seekers. One of God's characteristics, not just love, but it's truth. He cannot lie. He hates deception, Proverbs six sixteen. And so, I mean, we're, we're dealing with an industry of deception. So how does God ordain deception? He never will. It's against his character. That's why he hates lying. And so, yeah, false witness, all this stuff. And so it's just, it's, it's, I, I laugh at that and I love to engage discussions like that because people will follow that lead thinking because they don't want to think. So they want someone to think for them. And so if you get a pastor or some mm-hmm. biblical leader that tells you to do something, well, hell, I'll do it. You know, and that's not that's not biblical. Yeah, well, I just want to say, you know, it's so great chatting with you. I I knew I would enjoy you being on here for all the different things that you bring to the table on this conversation, your personal story, your professional background, your religious perspective. There's a lot going here that makes you a really interesting person to talk to on this issue. And um, I've Mm -hmm. really enjoyed the things I've seen of you in the past, Um, always blown away by how articulate you were as a speaker and just you were captivating. You can tell you have the charisma, you have the passion. Um, You're somebody, if our listeners don't already know about you, they should know about you. And hopefully they can follow your podcast if they're interested or get involved with what other types of um, community outreach and things that you're doing. We are going to be coming to San Antonio, by the way. Yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah, the end of March. So maybe we can see you guys um, right. Yeah, we'll break some bread together. I'd yeah, love to. I don't know how long are you guys in town. We'll just be there. For two, we're gonna be there for. 
probably two and a half days, essentially Dallas and San Perfect. Antonio. Right. And right. Um, we're going to be doing two different events the end of March. So I hope we'll be able to meet in person and share a hug. As I say, you know, we're all on the yes. same journey together and it's like we're doing, we're literally having the same fight, um, but in different places of the world. And, you know, it's, it's just always good to have that moment to connect and, and give that you're doing it too. I'm doing it too. I appreciate you. I appreciate well, you. Thank you. Well, thank you for what you guys are doing. I mean that. I mean, look, there's, <laughs> we have to, we have to be in this thing together. There's, there's power in numbers mm-hmm. and there's that synergistic effect of people coming together. And, and there's other people that look, most people are risk averse. They don't want to be called names. They don't want to be getting a fight. They're like, oh, I just got to pay the bills and I got to go to work and I got to mm-hmm. come back home and I got to cut the grass and the dog's barking too much. And oh, that's crazy. And I get it. Life's, life's tough, man. No one said it's going to be easy, but it's worth it. I mean, this issue is that important. I mean, it is, it is literally, as we know, the numbers, I think, justify the statement that it's an epidemic, autism, not to mention all the other things that we're dealing with. Our kids are sick. Right. I mean, our kids are sick, Doc, are we not? I mean, you they, know, yeah. I don't know how long you've been practicing, but I mean, you know that kids in our day were dealing with different ailments than today. Well, if, yeah. if, if we have superior health care and it's disease management, we know that's not health care. But I mean, if we have superior health care, then you would think that kids would be better off today and they're oh, not. Yeah. yeah, we should be getting more and more healthy. And more vaccines yes. should yeah. be better, yeah. right? And we're we getting be, worse. Yeah. That's right. right. I mean, again, it's logically inconsistent. It doesn't make sense. The more vaccines, the, the sicker we are. But it, but somehow, it's the very small percentage of those kids that aren't vaccinated that are screwing it up for everybody else. That's yeah. the, the, the yeah. you see my, I mean, this, okay. this, 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 it just surpasses any logic. So, so thank you for what you're doing. And, and, and I, I really, I mean that from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate it. I, I, I always say this to, to when I teach biblically about the Christian worldview or in this, there is a statute in Texas that's called endangering a child. And what it means is if you leave a child that cannot take care of themselves in an environment that can hurt themselves, then the parent, the guardian, the person responsible for that kid can be held accountable for endangering a child. And if it's serious, causing serious bodily injury or death or just, you know, endangering that child. And I always think to myself, are we guilty, not just spiritually, but societally, are we guilty of endangering our children? Are we guilty because we're not standing up and we're not, we're not doing what we can to make it a little better for them to take on the fight that they can't fight? They, whether they're young or whether they're vaccine injured, they can't fight. And I'm called as, 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 as a Christian to fight for the people that can't fight for themselves. Right. That's my duty. That's my heavenly responsibility down here on earth. One of them, there's many of them, but that's one of them. And so I'm going to fulfill that first and foremost. That's why the worldly fights are nothing to me. They just, I mean, not, they mean everything to me, but what I'm saying is they don't intimidate me. And so we're called to, we're called to do that. And so I don't want to be guilty of endangering my children because I worry about the world that I'm leaving them back in. Politically, we talked about politics and the insanity of politics today. We, we, we talked about ideology and we are in a civil war of ideologies as we speak today. We are in a civil war. Absolute. It's a battle of ideologies. And if you're not trying to persuade somebody, guess what? They're persuading you. And if you're quiet, they won. Hmm. It's always about persuasion. Either they're persuading you and you're persuading them. Well, I don't want to share my opinion. Then guess what? You just lost. You lost the persuasion battle because you were persuaded to keep your mouth shut. 
Right. Absolutely. So, yeah. So thank you for what you guys do, man. I really mean that sincerely. And I hope that you'll make time or, and I'll treat you to lunch. I said it on the air. So now it's my responsibility. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll break some bread. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We'll oh. hold you to that. Well, that. Yeah. That'll be great to, to get together with you in San Antonio. And, you know, Nico, I, I, I think you're such an inspiration, especially to other men out there, because when we see someone like you be so vocal and passionate about this and to own your truth, and, and you know what the truth is about what happened to your family and what has happened to, to other kids when they suffer a severe vaccine injury. And you are going out there and you are rising up and being passionate about it. And I think that's a great lesson for other men right. that we need to join the women in this fight There's and no excuse. not be quiet. There's no right. excuse, no excuse right. to be no. silent for anybody, no. any parent, right. any loved one, any colleague, um, any coworker, grandparent, anybody. There is no excuse to be silent. And yeah, we just... I'm, 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 so I'm motivated by the women in this battle. And it's mm -hmm. no different yep. than the women that found Christ not in his tomb. And back then, if you study the times, women at the time, culturally, not biblically, but culturally, their opinion wasn't just, so the, the, the courage that these women had, that they went out there and, 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 and spread the message, you know, that Christ was not in his tomb and that he had risen. I mean, it's that same courage that is leading this fight. And so it, the men should be motivated by that. It's, I'm going to jump on their bandwagon. Thank you for leading the charge to my wife, to you, to all these other brave women. That, that encourage us and, and educate us and what a wonderful example and you honor to me you honor god and you honor your children by doing that so thank all the women out there i appreciate them very much well thank you nico and we'll, we'll include um yeah like a link to the podcast so that people can get sure. for you and some information on that on the um episode thank description on this and i know our listeners are going to be thrilled to chat with you so thank you again thank you. and hopefully we'll get to talk to you soon and see you in texas on our yes i'm looking forward to it thank you both god bless you both all thank right, you care. all right you guys bye-bye thank you everybody for joining us on the vaccine conversation and we will see you all next time information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as medical advice. Always consult your healthcare professional for information on vaccines and infectious diseases.